uh, for those of you who are uh, newer to us, we, I started that practice of singing that. One of the reasons why I started the practice of singing that is because it's a good place to come out of our, you know, our, our horizontal aspect of worship where we're connecting with one another and, and we're loving on one another, introducing ourselves to one another. But the main reason why I do that is because it's the only way to get people to really calm down and stop talking. Because we do love each other so much, so I appreciate you guys. Every once in a while, I think, I'm going to sing this whole song and nobody's going to sit down, you know. So uh, thank you for joining in and singing with us. This morning, we're going to continue in our, um, in our uh, series on uh, uh, marriage, and, the, and it's been a, about a biblical foundation of marriage, and, and we've come a a pretty good ways in this little short series. And so let me just give you a quick review of where we've been and what we've looked at. And we've mostly been hovering in the book of Genesis there in chapters really one, some, but mostly two and three. And we've looked at the genesis of marriage, that God is the creator and designer of marriage and has given us a blueprint. We saw that in Genesis 2.24. And so one of the things that I want you to understand, I want you to grasp when we think about marriage is that where, you know, where did marriage come from? You know, if you believe in, an, uh, in a Darwinian evolution perspective, it had to kind of develop or something along the way. And yet, we know that our culture exudes and we know our own hearts kind of pushes us to, you know, like Solomon, what happened? You know, I was reading a book the other day and it was about a king. And the king said, I only wanted to be king so I could have sex with anybody I wanted to. So that's in our hearts and we know it. We know that we're sinners in that area. So I can't imagine if we evolved that two monkeys went, I want to be with one other monkey. It doesn't work that way, you see. It doesn't work that way. So what we have in Scripture is, is, is that God created this, that He established marriage, that He put man and woman together. So that's the model for us, biblically speaking. The second thing we saw that, as we looked at the passages in the second week is that uh, we need biblical oneness, that the great and ultimate model of marriage is actually God. And He created it for Himself and to Himself. Behind that plan is the planner. And so as you look at the planner, you will see the ultimate reality of marriage, which you know, basically comes from these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He desires His uh, married couples to grow in oneness. Why? It's important because that single couple is a it becomes a family unit if, the God ble- if God blesses them with children. And as they become a family unit, then they create a society. And as you create a society, you create a nation. So you see how the importance of that is, that they become one, because that couple is the central focus, if you will, of society itself. Last week, we looked at the great barrier to oneness. The great barrier to oneness is the root of sin, and that is these words, I am and there is no one besides me. We unpack that. That is the issue of the fall. I am, and there's no one besides me. Not even God. Remember the serpent tempted Eve and said, you will be like God? She wanted to be. Adam took the fruit from her hand because he wanted to be. I want to know and be like God. 
And so God has worked in to give us the gospel. He gave us the law we saw to direct us and to guide us. He gave us His Son to to help us to uh, um, um, be forgiven of our sins. And I should say, I would want to put it that way. Let me put it a different way. He gave us His Son not to help us, but to do the work for us. So He gave us the Son to do the work for us that we would be forgiven of sins. And He also gives us as married couples the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to help us to engage and to grow past the biblical barrier to oneness. So those are the things that we've talked about this week. And and if you look at it from a biblical perspective, that is the foundation of marriage. That is a foundation. There's many, many things that could come from that foundation. And so we're going to talk about just one today. And I think it's probably the most important one that we have as we consider um, uh, biblical uh, communication. Okay, In Scripture, as we look at it, we have a lot of um, uh, different things in the Bible. But we don't have a chapter of Marriage 101. I've never seen that in there. The, the, the Genesis is the foundation. It focuses the most on it. There's different teachings about it all throughout the Scripture. And it all really, if you look at those, those particular texts, they all point back to the reality of the, the beginning of it. So where do we talk about different things, like for example, communication? Well, we have to dig around in the Scripture, and we have to go find different passages. And so what you see is that the the commandments that God gives to His people in general and how to live, those commandments that He gives also apply to marriage. And maybe even more so. Because it's like I uh, I used to tell young people when I was a youth pastor, when I would talk to them, you have to understand that you know, when you read the Scripture and it talks about loving one another and caring for one another, the world is going to tell you, you need to love your neighbor. Aren't you shocked about what's happening in Africa? You need to love them and do something about them. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But the hardest thing to do, and we all know it, is to love those people that we're closer to. Isn't it? I can love the guy in Africa really easy. It's my wife that's hard. You see what I'm saying? I should put that the other way. She could love the person in Africa. It's me that's hard. So when we talk about the passages today, we're going to look at a lot of different passages. A couple weeks ago when we started, I brought a pair of shears and I actually forgot them this morning, so I have to use my scissors. And we talked about how if we take these apart... They're, they're, you know, they don't work like they should. And so we talked about this kind of being a picture for us to have in mind for the design of marriage. And so in this, there's a mechanism that holds it together. And listen to this, listen. Can you hear that? Maybe there. Okay, what's going on with these? We could take them apart and they won't work. We could actually loosen the, the screw here that holds it together and, and try to cut paper and it won't. But like this, it does very well. Why? Because you can hear it. They're touching, aren't they? They're touching. That's what we need to think about as we come to the passage that we're going to look at today. We need to touch one another in communication if we're going to be one. So let's read this morning from 
uh, Romans chapter 15. And we'll be looking at just two verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to read these verses <laughs> because I want you to have this in your mind. And then we're actually going to move on through a lot of other verses and come back to this at the end, okay? For something very specific at the end. All right, so, but I want this to be our kind of focal passage, our jumping off passage. So Romans 15, 5 and 6. Verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's holy word. Let us pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word this morning. Make it real in our hearts. Make it alive. Uh, connect it to us where we live, work, and play, where we um, sleep side by side with our mate, where we hope that we'll have a mate that you would give us, where we um, maybe have had struggles and a broken heart over uh, a destructive relationship. Father, just touch us and use this passage to grow us and to mold us and to transform us into your image. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. And so today, we're going to consider for our focus this, this sentence. Human beings need the touch of communication in order to have oneness. Human beings need the touch of communication in order to have oneness. And we're going to unpack this with three points. First of all, the importance of communication. Why would I say that? Why is it so important? The importance of communication. The second one is, well, if it's important, then we need to define it. So we'll define communication. And then the third, thirdly, we'll look at, well, let's look at some conditions for communication. What might that look like in a real-life situation? And that'll be more of our application for today. So let's consider the importance of communication. Now, we all know that communication is the necessary means for solving problems in a marriage relationship. Perhaps you've been talking to a friend, and, and that friend described some problems they were facing, and they said something like this, I want to talk about it, but they keep saying, what's there to talk about? I don't know what we need to talk about. What's the problem here? Maybe you've heard that before. Now, typically, and I say typically, and, and this is not always the case, but very typically, we know who is saying the, these words. What is there to talk about? What's the problem here? What's the big deal? It's usually the husband, isn't it? It usually is. Now, I don't know why this is. You could just chalk it up to maybe um, uh, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Uh, I really don't understand all the, app, the ramifications from the fall on this matter. But we know this is true because we see sitcoms and we read books and we see various things like that that kind of point to this reality. It's usually the women that are the more deeper communicators and the men are like, what's the big deal here, you know? And so we need to realize that there is a, a, an issue with communication that we need to face. And that is that if we have a problem, we can't uh, solve it unless we communicate about it. It'll never be resolved unless we talk. 
And so you may say, well, every time I start to talk about it, it ends up in an argument, and that may be true. And so that's why I think lots of times bringing in a third person to help, whether it's a paid counselor or whether it's a pastor or a friend that you trust, that you can trust to come and and, and speak truth to both of your lives, and that's the key. You don't bring your, your best buddy with you to take up for you. You bring someone to help you talk through those things. Sometimes that is necessary. But whatever the case may be, the issue is, is you can't, uh, if you can't communicate, you're not going to solve problems. That's an important reality in marriage to grasp. But here, today, I want to focus on a little bit of a different issue. And that is this. Okay, This will keep you from moving into that, what I just described, that situation where you need to bring in a third person. And that is simply this. Even if there are no problems, you need to communicate. Even if there are no problems, communicate, talk. So do you think that communication is only negative? I think sometimes as we think about sermons like this, that's exactly how we'll come to it and be thinking about it. But communication is essential for many other reasons besides working through troubles. It is just valuable just in normal everyday life and becoming one. For example, we've talked about oneness, and we know that God is one. We have taken this as one of the core foundational elements of our marriage. But what is oneness? What does that mean? Have we truly defined and understood this? Well, it's, it's difficult at times to kind of do that. But let me try to illustrate it for you in, um, in, like, in my personal life in this way. Chris and I have had... Um, why are you looking at me that way? She's wondering where I'm going with this. Um, Chris and I have many, well, not many times, very few times had to leave. And I wouldn't say had to leave. I would say we left. God called us. So that's where the had came from. He had us leave and move to another situation, another church to pastor. It's only happened a few times, thankfully. We've, we've, we have been people who have stayed and wanted to love on people for a long time. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing when that type of thing happens you're, you know, the churches, especially when we were at Trinity in Orangeburg, there were probably 300 people. At Arden, there were probably, you know, anywhere from 1,000 to 1,200 people. And then at Trinity Plain, there were around 300 to 350 people there. And so when we leave, there's always those few people that are like in the back, back there where Todd is. You know, they're back there, and you don't, you, you know them, you know, you've pastored them from time to time, you've taught them, you've had uh, situations where you communicate with them, but all of a sudden, the bar is raised because you're leaving. And so we've had people call us and talk to us and say, I mean, out of the blue, it's like, hey, would you come over for dinner? Okay. I mean, we've never been invited over for dinner before, anything like that. That's okay, great. And then they, they talk to you and, and they tell you, wow, you've so encouraged me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And Kristen, your, your words to me at this one time were so touching and so, so incredible. And you spend the evening together and you're laughing and you're communicating and you're talking and then you're getting ready to leave like the next week and you're packing your bags and the whole time you're thinking, why did I never connect with those people before? They're wonderful. As a matter of fact, when we came here, um, uh, there was a couple, 
and Tom and Beverly. And we, when we came, they were moving. And so it was the opposite. And they invited us over to their home. And we talked. And I was like, they're great people. I wish they weren't moving. What happened in those particular situations? What happened? We communicated. And, and something happened unique. We touched in soul. We touched in soul. And so that's kind of the picture here that I want you to have is, is, is that when you communicate, what happens is, is that two people touch and soul. And there's something especially special in those particular relationships because I don't connect with everybody that way. But I should connect with my marriage partner that way, do you see? Another example that we could use is, is David and Jonathan. Now, some people take this story and they just blow it way out of proportion and try to turn it into something that it's not. But I want you to sit back and really think about it in the illustration that I just gave. David and Jonathan, you remember the story. There's, there's uh, you know, they meet when David's brought into uh, Saul's family to, uh, to actually play instruments for him. I think Jonathan noticed David when he went out and slew Goliath. And here in 1 Samuel 18 verse 1, the text relays uh, a deeper issue here this way. It says, as soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, so he's speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And listen to this, it says, And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That's what I'm talking about here. Every once in a while, you will meet someone where you will touch in that way. Whether it be male or female. And there's nothing sexual about it. It's just a touch and soul. How much more so should that be in a marriage relationship? To touch one another in soul. This is the way it was with David and Jonathan. And then if it is in general relationships like this, then it should be in that marriage. Communication is the important key here. Because it is the only God-given channel or means whereby two people can become one. The more they touch in the communication, that is a growing deeper quality. You, know, you have to look at it that way. It's a deeper growing quality. The more they do that, the more they move toward oneness. So to better understand this, we must comprehend just what communication is. We see that it's important, but what is it? What is the definition of communication? Let's look at our second point. What is the definition? Webster defines it simply this way, to impart by means of words. So think about that. To impart by means of words. Some say then that it's like sharing information. Men, you come home from a, a long day of work, and you say, well, honey, how are you doing today? I'm fine. The kids are driving me insane. I don't know what to do for supper. The dryer's broken again. Thanks, honey. How was your day? Well, it was fine. I had this terrible meeting, and this one person I work with are always stirring up issues, and they stirred it up again today, and I'm so frustrated. That is just sharing information together, okay? 
And what about another way we could look at it? Because you can see, you can look at communication in a lot of different ways. What about this way? Can you talk and not communicate? Absolutely. This happens all the time. Some call this the dialogue of the death. Uh, Just put it this way. My wife has a husband and four teenagers and two little kids. Need I say more? Do you think they, she can talk and not communicate to us because we don't listen? Absolutely. All the time. And the other side of this is that you can communicate without talking. Some have noted that 70% of marital, marital communication is nonverbal. That's why I could look at her and see her face just a few minutes ago and say, she thinks I'm going to say something crazy right here. Because I know. You see, I know. That's why she sits over there and not right here. Either way, there must be something more to communicating than just talking. So we uh, need to understand what communication exactly is. And so where do we go for that? We can observe all sorts of things out in, in the world by watching not only people, but even animals. How do animals sometimes communicate together? You know, Silas watches these animal shows all the time, and I'm always amazed at God's creation. He created this incredibly beautiful place, incredibly intricate detail, incredible things that go on. But what about this communication piece? Where do we go? Well, we go to the Creator. We go to the model of communication. And do you think we could learn from Him? Do you think that maybe the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the absolute authority in communication? You better believe it. He created it. So He is the authority. So, let's consider this. God, When God said, let us make man and husband in our own image, we have the capability of communicating because God was the first communicator. We see it behind the scenes before the creation of the world. Let us create husband and wife in our own image before He even made the heavens and earth and mankind. Do you think the persons of the Godhead ever communicated with each other? It tells us here that they did. Or did they just exist? I don't think they did that. I think they communed deeply and wonderfully. And I think we know this intuitively from the Scripture. And it gives us some insight into this. Look at John 1.1 with me. If you want to flip over in your Bible, John 1.1. It says these words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, Dan Wallace is not here today. I don't know if most of you know this, but he actually put together the Net Bible. If you look up the Net Bible, he actually put that together. And uh, I found a note that he has. I always go to that Bible to look for Greek notes. He's not here for me to brag on that today. Ah, I hate that. Well, the preposition pros here, which is with, the preposition pros here implies not just proximity. So, so when we talk about two people walking to, uh, to uh, a place together, or maybe walking in the mall together, usually we mean that in terms of proximity. Taylor, Jason are close to each other right now in proximity. Alec is a little bit further removed from them. But in the word pros here, The word pros implies intimate, personal relationship. 
The word could be used in that way as well. Intimate, personal relationships. And with that understanding, William Hendrickson translated John 1.1 in this way. He said, and the word was face to face with the Father. Think about that. Face to face with the Father. He's driving us in his translation to think on a deeper level about this. So in this, we discern that in this, in this image, the closest possible fellowship and deep delight and communion with one another. The persons of the Godhead communicate and thus are in communion. What more do we see in terms of God communicating in Scriptures? Do we see God communicating to man? Oh yes, we see God communicating to man all over the place. And frankly, that's the point of the Scriptures is God communicating to us. If we read Psalm 19.1, we read these words. Listen. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voices are not heard. Their measuring line goes through, throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In Him, He has set a tent for the sun. Now you may be saying, that's great. What does that mean about communication? It means everything. Here's a paradox for you. We have a paradox here. We have a paradox of wordless speech in this text. What do we call that? We call that nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication. And God has surrounded us with nonverbal communication all over the place. He is the absolute authority in nonverbal communication. You can touch anything that God has made, including the human body, and it will be a nonverbal communication of the wonder of your God. Have you ever looked at it in that way? When people talk about connecting back to nature, we know we're not talking about pantheism here. What we're talking about is, is that when we go for a walk in the woods, we see Creator everywhere. Not that it's God, or that God is in it, but that God spoke it and created it. He is the creator of the universe and He speaks and He yells to us. When you walk outside, and you have to almost be somewhere like in Colorado or something like that, right Mike? Or Alaska maybe. Maybe Alaska would be better because the less light. But when, you, when you're laying on the ground and you're looking up into the heavens and you could almost fall into that darkness and those stars, I mean, it's almost like I could just step off the edge of the earth and fall into that. That's God saying and screaming, I am God and I created all this. Look and wonder at my creation. He speaks to us non-verbally. But let me ask you, has He ever communicated to us verbally? Absolutely. He has spoken. Listen to Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He created the world. God has spoken. God has spoken. And He speaks 
to us. And He is not just trying to communicate information. Sure, that's it. But there's more to it. Psalm 48.1 Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised at the city of our God, His holy mountain. Beautiful in in elevation. Sorry about that. It's the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the king of the great king, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, listen to these words. God has made himself known as a fortress. So God in, in revealing himself through his prophets, in revealing himself in these ways, he is saying, I want you to know me. Because if we just had general revelation, if we just had the heavens and the earth, we would say, there's a Creator, but we know nothing about Him. Because He hasn't spoken to us. But He has spoken to us in the prophets. In those who came. And especially in Christ Jesus. John 14, 21 says this, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he it is who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And what does Jesus say there? And manifest myself to him. So Jesus is saying there that I will show you who I am. And what did Jesus say? If you know me, you know who? You know the Father. See, that's His communication. He has communicated to us non-verbally. He's communicated to us verbally. That's why it's interesting when you're reading the prophets, and we're going to talk about, I've been studying Amos because we're going to come to Amos a little bit later in the fall. But when you're reading those prophets, they're all pointing back to Moses. Moses was the man. <laughs> he was God's man. He was the one who brought the revelation. And so time and time and time again, the prophets are pointing back to that fact. As as Moses becomes the the leader of Israel and he brings them out out of captivity, time and time and time again, God says, this is my man, this is Moses, listen to him, listen to him, listen to him. And so he spoke and he spoke and he spoke. And when you get further into Hebrews, it says Moses was great. But Jesus better. So we talk about Jesus and we talk about that communication piece. I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here. You know, I was talking to my my kids about some of this stuff. And you have to realize that when we talk about Jesus, every year at Easter, what do they do? They talk about, is this the real Jesus? Did the real Jesus really exist? Do you realize that no scholars ever really argue over that? It's only argued over that on TV. And this, the silly scholars that they have, I know some of them are smart, but they're not really talking about that because everybody knows He really existed. There's not just evidence in the Bible. There's evidence everywhere. So the issue is, is what are you going to do with Him? What will you do with this Jesus? Is He who He says He is? As C.S. Lewis says, He's either a liar or a lunatic or He's the Lord of the universe. You have to make that decision. Did He lie? Was He crazy? Or is He Lord? He has spoken to us through His Word. And so now, as we think about that, and as we see here in the Scriptures that we have the the nonverbal communication of creation, and we have the verbal communication of the written Word which has been passed down to us, we have these things that He may be known. 
So now, how do we take that definition of communication and, and deal with it when it comes to marriage? How do we do that? Let's try this. Marital communication is the mutual sharing between two persons so that they touch in soul and become increasingly one. And that's what the Scriptures keep pointing to over and over and over again. The marriage communication is the mutual sharing between two persons so they touch and so on and become, become increasingly one. Mutual sharing. The understanding of yourself with another. And if you share and come to mutual understanding, that will result in growing oneness. Have you ever seen two people that have been married for years and years? There are several people in here that have been married for years and years. And they talk alike. They have some same mannerisms. They may even possibly look alike. Lord, help the ladies. Lord, help them. But that's a picture of growing oneness. They become more and more and more like one another. I'm laughing inside because I know some of you couples. And it makes me laugh. I see that. Now, did that happen at the, on the wedding day? No, it did not. Now, it's, it's the starting process, maybe even before the wedding day, but it did not happen on the wedding day. You know, it, it takes time and, and, and communication and sharing and serving together and raising kids together. And trial and trouble. And in this, they grow together in oneness as they communicate. Look again at the model, crea- the model communicator, the creator to understand communication, especially in marriage. As we have all done this, um, as those of us who have been married for some time, as we have done this, marital communication is the mutual sharing between two persons as they touch and soul and become increasingly one. That is the definition. Communicate to one another. So what does it look like then, finally, uh, for the conditions of communication? Let's apply this a little bit deeper now. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with me. Would you do that? 2 Corinthians 6. We're going to have two conditions in the writing of Paul. And as we read this, I want you to note again that you you need to take these verses and apply them especially to their marriage. But they apply to the people in, in 2 Corinthians. They apply to the whole congregation there. They apply to different relationships even within this church. You can apply this broadly, but we're speaking here specifically toward marriage. Okay? So, 2 Corinthians 6.11. Look at that verse with me. And listen to these words. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own afflictions. In return, I speak as children. Widen your hearts also. So do you see the two conditions? Do they jump out at you there? We'll talk about them in just a second. Hold on. Jump down to uh, 2 Corinthians 7. Chapter or verse 2, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 2. He says, Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. So, from these verses, what I want to apply here for us are two conditions. Just two to think about. The first condition is an open heart. That's what the text is talking about there. Have an open heart. In other words, Paul was crying out to them, listen to me. Hear me. 
hearts open to each other. Here we're talking about our souls. This is somewhat difficult, but I think you'll get the picture. There, are, there is something in humans that operates like doors to our hearts. And they've got to be open if we're going to touch and, and, and soul with one another. Does this make sense? They have to be open. Let me put it this way. When a person comes up to me, I can either receive them with my heart or I can shut the door. They may or may not know it. We all know this. But that's what we're talking about here. We can reject someone or we can open our hearts to them. Now, I might even greet them with a smile, but I can hide my heart. I might greet them with uh, my mouth, but my heart is closed. And so what is Paul saying here? My heart is wide open. So that's what I want you to apply to marriage here this morning. Open your hearts to one another. Dear, my heart is wide open. In other words, I accept you as you are. Come in as you are. Make yourself at home in me. And if you're willing to take your spouse just as they are, no matter what, I want you to think about how that points us to Jesus and how He has received us just as we are. He has said this, I've opened my heart to you. Do you see how the marriage is to reflect that relationship? Now, you may have, some of you went to the wedding of Jason Taylor. I'm picking on Jason Taylor this morning because they're newly married, okay? And you may have heard the marriage vows that they gave to one another if you were at the wedding. And um, I said, will you receive? I said, Jason, will you receive Taylor as your wedded wife? And, you know, in that I was shocked because he says, well, let me think about that just a minute. Hmm. He said, uh, well, I, you know, I'm not so sure. No, he didn't say that at all. He's even wondering, I didn't say that, did I? Because he can't remember. <laughs> he was shocked. No, he said, absolutely, I will receive you. And Taylor did the same. Remember those vows. Remember those vows. I will receive you. As you move along, as you two move along in a relationship, sometimes it gets harder. That's what we're talking about here. You know I'm speaking the truth because we talked about it, right? In our marriage counseling, AJ talked to you about it. So that is the issue. We have to have our hearts open. When you shut the door to your heart, you reject your spouse, you actually put them out of your heart. We may, each of us, seen that reality in some way or another in other people or even ourselves. We know that it's true. We emotionally cut off or we separate. And when this happens, we're not growing in oneness. And if this is the case for you, personally, you are in effect rebelling against your spouse. And this is serious because it cuts them out of your heart. And we all read every day about a relationship, relationships falling apart in light of things like this. So we need to... Um, Stop rebelling against our, our spouses and ultimately the Lord because our communication with Him can be, you know, have issues as well because we're not communicating to our spouse as we should. So open your heart. The second condition that I want you to see here is another simple thing, and that is this. You know, you open your heart, but you also must, must open your voice. Open your voice. And what I mean by that is to speak plainly. 
Um, he says that here in the text. We speak plainly to you. We have got to speak plainly to one another about everything. Speak so that they understand. Let them know your heart. I'll give you an example of a negative side of this. A married couple had quarreled in one evening, <clears throat> giving up to, uh, on each other. They just started the silent treatment. This went on for two, two full days. A mute argument. They just didn't talk to one another. And you know, that grunting and, and all that stuff and everything. But one night, one evening, not too far into that, the husband realized that he needed his wife's help and his wife's help in order to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting. He had to be up at 5 a.m. He was hard-headed. He didn't want to give in. So he wrote her a note that said, please wake me at 5 a.m. The next morning, he woke up to discover his wife was already gone, and it was 9 a.m. And the flight he had, he totally missed. He looked around and he noticed a piece of paper by his head, by his bed. Get up, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> Speak up. Speak plainly. Don't get into a silent treatment argument that causes trouble. Learn the art of understanding how the other person communicates. Remember, that communication includes interpretation. That's why we as husbands need to learn to be better interpreters because it's hard. We talk differently. And what you have in all situations like this are these things all the time. You're not communicating. You're talking over or under because communication and interpretation go together. That's why it's important to ask sometimes follow-up questions. These are the basic conditions of communication. And without them, there's no real communication, no real oneness. And so today as we close, I want to open up again Romans 15 with you. So turn back to Romans 15. Note again that this passage could be applied to parents, children, employees, bosses. But here I want to, and, and God's people obviously in, in relationship together as a community, but I want us to focus this morning in the terms of marriage, okay? Romans 15, 5 and 6, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. That's what we're talking about. And in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice. Notice he's applying this to the church here, but it should apply to the marriage first because the marriages make up the church, Okay? What is that one voice to do? Glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. Can you do that? Can you do that? Yes and no. No in the sense that you don't have the power to do that. No in the sense that you are a rebel, a rebel, rebel, running away from God constantly. And He brings you back. Yes, in terms of He has given you the Holy Spirit. He has given you salvation in Christ Jesus if you have believed in Him and trusted on Him. What does it look like to trust Him? It's like if I set a chair here and I say, I know this chair will hold me. The only way I prove that is to put my hind end in the chair and sit and put my weight on it. That's a lot of weight, okay? 
And then I know that chair will hold me. You put your weight, your body, your soul, your mind, your heart on Christ Jesus. And you say, I know that you will do all that you have said you'll do in me. You'll make me like you. You have saved me. You have justified me before God the Father. And you are sanctifying me and making me more like you. I trust it. I know it. Even when it doesn't look like it. Even when I think, I don't want to do this anymore. Even when I'm struggling so bad, I wonder, do you even exist? You put your faith in Him and you trust. You trust Him. Don't miss the gospel in this passage of Romans 15.6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you. That's the gospel. Grant you. Notice, it doesn't say pull up your bootstraps and live in harmony with one another. What's wrong with you? You lazy fool. Work in harmony with one another. It says, may God grant to you. That is the gospel. You're struggling in these areas of marriage communication? Join the club. You wrestle with these issues? Join the club. But may God grant us, may God in the gospel grant us to live in such a way to where we would communicate and live in harmony with one another. Let's pray.